So, Merry Christmas. I guess I need to say that. I don't think I said that before. Glad you're here today to celebrate with us. This has become such a big part of my family's Christmas celebration. This is my 25th Christmas at Polaris, and our family loves to get really the, the next 24 hours kicked off the right way uh, by celebrating with our Polaris family. Um, it's one of the most important parts of our tradition. Um, I, there's probably, you know, another exciting part of what I hope becomes a tradition this time of year is meaningful Browns football around this time. It was, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole schedule was on me. I'm just not used to, you know, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock services were not ideal for the Browns situation. I'm just not used to having to think through um, a Browns game that actually means something this deep into December. So let's hope that becomes a new part of, of, the, uh, of the Christmas Eve tradition as well. How many of you, as a part of your family tradition, uh, how many of, does it involve a Christmas Story movie marathon? Any of you, like, definitely going to be watching Christmas Story movie marathon over the next 24 hours. I hope so. Um, great movie. Uh, quick bit of trivia. Um, anybody know the network that first started the movie marathon with the Christmas story? What network? I heard TBS. Any other thoughts? TNT. It was actually TNT. Well done, Liam. You were on that, man. This is your third service, but we're still going to give you credit. Um, it was actually TNT back in 1997. So it's been almost 30 years rolling on uh, um, the movie marathon uh, Christmas Eve. And then TBS started it in 2004. So for a long time now. It's been uh, at least available to be a part of a Christmas tradition. And I know the movie growing up, man, it was, it, it's the perfect place for me to start to talk about the Jesus story because there's some similarities in relatability. When I was growing up, uh, me and my buddy used to laugh and laugh and laugh at a Christmas story. We'd watch it for the old man, Darren McGavern's character, because it just, if you have, if you grew up, I grew up in the 80s, okay? And most dads... Dads now are a bit of a different breed than they were back then. And um, uh, most father figures prior to 1990, let's say, there were a lot of... How many of you felt like your dad was similar to the old man in, in A Christmas Story? Uh, there, there were just... You could just um, watch the different comedy bits within that and so relate with the character of the dad... And then the mom, um, I felt like all my, you know, every, every mom in, in Maslin, Ohio, um, where I grew up, was the somewhat submissive housewife who actually ran the ship. Like, they, they did that balance of pretending to be submissive, but you knew who called the shots. Uh, and, and, and every mom wrapped their kids head to toe with all this ridiculous coats and hats and scarves and gloves and boots and... The, the bread bags under the boots. Um, but you have the, the empty bread bags to, to keep your feet dry. Um, yeah, that was, that was all a part of it. Thought that everything was going to put your eye out. Uh, so there's a lot in that movie that, that you can really relate with from those characters. And that's what, that's what makes that movie so approachable. 
Well, what we're going to see is when we look at the Christmas story from 2,000 years ago, I think we're going to find that same kind of a, of, of a situation. There's a lot that we can identify with and relate with. And this is really important because of what God came to do. So if we talk about just the concept of the, 2000, of the nativity story 2,000 years ago, um, the concept is that God came to this world to make his home here. God came here to make his home with us. Galatians 4 says, when the time was just right, God sent his son. And then later on, as Jesus described uh, what he really came here to do, look at this in John 14. This is a pretty important verse. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. <clears throat> so what you see there, really important takeaway, especially if you're you know, not regular or Polaris, maybe new to the whole Jesus thing, that's a really important concept because Jesus is saying, what I want to do is make my home in your life, no matter who you are. And so we see the story 2,000 years ago of Jesus kind of coming geographically to, to Bethlehem, to a real place in the real world. But what we learn is that it wasn't just about that. That was just kind of for us to see a picture of God coming so that we could realize that what God really wants to do is make home in our lives, make home in our souls, make home in our lives. So that's, it's just really relatable to see this idea of, of a God who wants to be a part of our world because I think deep down, we want that. Like if that's available, I want that. All right, let's take a look at the setting now. Because we can really start to connect with the story through the setting. I'm going to look at Luke chapter 2. It says, Mary wrapped Jesus in cloths and placed him in a manger. Because there was no guest room available for them. So what do you think about the idea of God becoming flesh? And his first night here, he spends in a feeding trough. There's nothing sanitary available for him, no sanitary spaces, so he starts off in a feeding trough, and we got to remember, obviously, this is, this is God. He could have got what he wanted if he needed a hotel to spring up with all the modern-day amenities. I can't really say that word. I've never been able to say that word, but he could have done it, but he was content to start off in a feeding trough. And I think this is for us to realize that if he wants to come and make his home in our lives, if you're like me, you realize pretty quick, my soul is not really inhabitable for a holy God. On my best day, it ain't pretty in here. But when Jesus came to the world 2,000 years ago, he was fine with starting off inhabiting a feeding trough. The God who created the universe inhabited a feeding trough, a smelly, unsanitary, dirty feeding trough. And I think it's so that everyone in the future could look back and say, okay, if, if he wants to make his home with me, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that he started off in something unsanitary because it shows me that maybe he's willing to take a step in my life 
So I hope you can relate with that. I know I can. I deeply appreciate that that's where the story starts off, in a feeding trough. Now, what I want to do is look at some of the more popular characters in the Christmas story from 2,000 years ago, the Jesus Christmas story. And I think you're going to see a spectrum of hearts. And this is significant because remember what God wants us to do is he wants to find ourselves in the story. So let's start off with Mary. Mary represents on a spectrum of heart conditions. She's like teacher's pet. Okay, she's ready to go. Her heart's aligned with God. Here's what we learn about Mary in her response. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's her cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a, to, um, a town in Galilee, Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is a pretty big calling that Mary gets that day. She's minding her own business. All of a sudden, somebody shows up and says, you're going to have a kid, and they're going to be the ruler of everything. And look at what Mary says down in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now listen, this is with the backdrop of other Bible heroes who God gave a big calling to, and they were like, ah, I'd rather not. Like Moses, God gives this calling to Moses, and Moses, one of the greatest men to ever live, he's like, can, can you send somebody else? I mean, he actually said, can you send somebody else, please? Mary represents a heart that is all in for everything God has for her. And while it's hard for me to relate fully with that, what I can say is there's a little bit of me that wants that. There's a little bit of me that really wants to do something great for God and that is excited to jump into whatever God has for me. And I think for all of us, even, even the most hardened uh, skeptic, Deep down, we'd be, we'd be happy to know that we are in the middle of God's will for our life. And I think about even like the Badleys. I mean, that's an overwhelming calling, but man, to know that God called you to that and, and to be in the middle of his will, no matter where it took you, there's a part of us deep down that would probably love to dream of doing something great for God. So that's Mary. She represents all in, up front doesn't care. She's excited about it. Joseph now, he's a little more of a skeptic, okay? It's a little bit of a, ah, hold on a minute now. Okay, so this is, this is Joseph's story in Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be um, pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home to be his wife. So I want you to remember the spectrum here. Mary was all in. Joseph initially kind of got wind of what was going on. He's like, I think I'm out. I think we'll just kind of uh, divorce her quietly, and I'm going to get on with my life over here, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make her look bad. I'm just not ready to be a part of this whole thing. Then got some more proof from an angel, and then he was ready to go. So he was a heart that was like generally wanted, you know, good, good guy, wanted to do the right thing, just needed a little bit of convincing. And, and what I want you to see there is, is God was okay with a little bit of skepticism. He didn't need perfect. So Joseph gets the invite as well. So if you're out there and you're like, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not like, you know, an axe murderer or anything. I just, I need a little bit of proof. I need a little bit more. I'm not ready to give my heart all in on this religion thing. What I want you to see is there's this spectrum that's included people who were invited into the story of Jesus making his home here. Because when Jesus says, I want to make my home in you, he has everybody in mind. <clears throat> Another group of characters in the story are the shepherds. Shepherds were invited. Shepherds have a really neat story because they were not allowed essentially to go to church. Okay, church back then was the temple. That was the man-made house of God, so to speak. That was the gathering of followers of God. They went there to worship. They went there to give and offer sacrifices. But the religious elite had said that, that you got to be clean for seven days to enter the temple. And the shepherds, because of their job, think about what they came into contact with, they were never at any point like seven days clean. So um, they were never allowed to essentially go to church. So you get the situation where here are these shepherds who are not churched. They're not regulars in the house of God. They are unclean according to um, you know, the religious elite. And yet, they're invited. So you, you have this, and I love this, what God does. It's like, oh, oh you can't go to that man-made thing? Okay, come on over here to my thing. That's the heart of God. So desperately wanting to make his home, that even if we don't line up perfect with everything, we're still invited. Now, I want you to understand that I believe it is a core conviction of mine that if we want to grow spiritually, that is best done in the context of a local church, of a gathering of other followers of Jesus. However, don't think that just because you're far from church, like maybe you're here because your spouse drug you or your parent drug you here, dragged, not drugged. Um, maybe that's, you know, you're here because you feel like it's the right thing to do. Like, here's my Christmas present to you. I'm going to church. What I want you to know is God's good with starting where you're at because the shepherds were in the same boat. They weren't regular churchgoers, and yet they were invited when God made his home here. So we got Mary. She's all in. We got Joseph, a little bit of a skeptic. We got the shepherds. They're far from religious culture. And then we get the magi, the three wise men, or however many there were. 
And uh, some of my favorite characters because it really shows the, the merciful heart of God, how much God wants to connect with people. So um, if Mary was great and Joseph was a little bit of a skeptic and the, the shepherds were <clears throat> pretty far from church and religion, uh, the Magi were actually into dark, like forbidden, dangerous, spiritual stuff. They were sorcerers. They were astrologers. Um, into some witchcraft stuff, stuff that the Bible absolutely forbids, okay? But that is their lifestyle, and the scriptures say actually through the star that God drew them. God drew them to the manger. When God wants to make his home, he wants to make his home with everybody, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we're into, God wants to make his home with us. And there's just, there's just this... There's this friendship aspect, like when, when Jesus says, we come to you and make, his, make our home with you. Religion really doesn't work for me. I don't like the word. I don't aspire to be religious. I don't aspire to make Polaris a religious place. For me, friendship is the word. Because there's this idea of making home. It's a home. It's a family. It's a friendship. And it grows. And that's what Jesus is after for you. And he doesn't care who you are or where you've been. There's a spectrum there for us to relate with. It's, a, there's, it's approachable. So one last verse. <clears throat> Revelation 3.20. Here I am. This is Jesus. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You see the intimacy there? Like, that's a friendship. That's not sit, stand, kneel. That's not jump through these hoops. That's a family. That's a friendship. And that's what Jesus wants for you. So I hope you'll open the door to him. And, man, if you need any help doing that, um, our door is open to you. We love to help people grow in friendship with Jesus because that's what we're all trying to do ourselves here at Polaris. So, man, I hope to see you in the coming year. And I hope you'll take very seriously um, the approachability of God and his desire uh, to be born in your life this year. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift that you gave us 2,000 years ago. That incredible night when you broke through into humanity to save us. To establish a friendship with us that will never end. To cleanse us from our sin. To break the chains that separated us. We're grateful in Jesus' name. Amen.